For about a decade, starting in around 1986, all the late night talk shows, film critics, and Golden Girls could talk about was Madonna's film career. I'm terribly sorry. I promise that I will say Hail Marys until Madonna has a hit movie. <laughs> there were hits like Desperately Seeking Susan and A League of Their Own, but there were plenty of misses too, like Shanghai Surprise and Who's That Girl? So how could she get it so right and so wrong all at the same time? She's the most awarded star in Razzie history. Did she deserve it or was she just an easy target? Were her hits flukes or is there an actress inside that just needs the right material to thrive? And why did she keep trying while Mariah Carey, Janet Jackson, Britney Spears, Rihanna, and Beyonce all basically give up? For all the good and all the ugly, I'm going to talk about the 19 films of Madonna's hit and mostly miss film career. This is Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is not normally discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week, one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from amputation, masturbation, menstruation, and castration. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hi, Tom. Hey, Slate. What's going on? Oh, not too much. You knew me in the 90s. Tell me this, not what you thought about me loving Madonna so much. What do you truly think about Madonna? I mean, I like a lot of her music, actually. Yeah. She's, I think, a great pop star. I've always respected her as a musician and as someone who was, at least for a time, able to successfully reinvent herself. And she certainly had drive, mm. especially in a male-dominated... You know, she, she ran her own shit. You know, yeah. she was in charge of her own shit. I think a lot of female pop stars at that time, and even now, you know, are a men-driven business that she stood out as being her own captain, if you want to look at it that way. Sure. And, so, and her songs are catchy. They're great. I got some of her records on vinyl. You know, mm-hmm. I've always respected Madonna, but I mean, I don't, I don't love her like you do. Yeah, no, well, nobody loves Madonna like me except Madonna, probably. Right. I guess my big question is: Do you enjoy watching her fail? Because she's so successful. She's the most successful female musician in the world. She sold 300 million records. That will probably never be beat. Do you also enjoy watching her stumble and fall on her face a little bit? First of all, anytime that we do watch her fail, you remind me of her record-selling achievements. Sure. But I will say, I don't love watching her fail so much as I love watching you watch her fail. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, There's I I'm, I always just kind of sit there and like grimace a little bit. It doesn't yeah. bother me as much now that I know we've gotten on the other side of it. Okay. There were definitely some periods of where I was like, oh, girl, don't do that. You might not be able to recover from that. And now that I know she's recovered from 
everything. I I can laugh at some of her mistakes, you know? You know, Madonna's still alive. And, you know, people More like Elvis, for example, you know, huge record sales, one of the biggest uh, stars of all time. You know, he also had a very terrible film career. Yeah, they're you awful. Know? Yet nobody really talks about his film career. And I don't think anybody really talks about Madonna's film career anymore. It's no. been a long time since she's made. But I did find it interesting because, especially at that time of where she was so famous and she was the topic of every media article conversation especially the late night tv just skewered her over it wasn't just her movies but just her behavior you know they called her a slut and they made fun of her because she had slept with everyone in hollywood and stuff like that and it's just like they didn't do that to elvis they made fun of elvis because he was fat and he ate too many pork chops and stuff like that but like it's like yeah. a little bit of a different thing you know I, he had a terrible film career he never made a good movie in his no, life they're, they're all terrible actor. they're all garbage yeah. i think part of it's because she was a woman because if you remember prince was in some shit movies i bring that up <laughs> oh good but he was in some shit movies and that's never affected him they except when the movies him. came out right they torch him for a very short period of time right. and then everybody goes back to loving prince like right. madonna never recovered from a lot of her flops you no. know but she also kept trying and had more and we'll talk about We're that gonna i know talk about that too but but yeah so it's it's an interesting topic i think she wasn't fairly maligned for these movies when her male counterparts were not i yeah. agree with that yeah so, i think yeah. so too well we'll talk about it a little bit as as we get into it especially once we start going into the razzies but uh okay. so i'll do a little bit of history of my experience with madonna and then of course i'll go into kind of a little history of madonna and then we'll just we're going chronologically through the film so this is a Great. pretty simple structure nice i built in lots of spots for you to be able to talk because we watched a lot of these movies together right. i did give you some some spots to make fun of her so all right uh, take it away all right so i've been a madonna fan basically since birth my parents were a little stricter on me when i was a kid and i wasn't allowed to watch mtv we didn't have cable i wasn't allowed to have any madonna albums when i was a kid now i'm talking a kid i'm talking like a four-year-old kid i wanted madonna albums I was like one of those kids that just, I had a little Fisher Price tape recorder yeah. and I always asked for albums. Like when I was, when I was a five year old kid, I wanted, I wanted music and I got the Beatles and stuff like that. I think I got Cindy Lauper too. Cause she wasn't considered to be risque at the time, but right. you know, my parents were pretty strict on which cassettes, you know, I could have, they wanted me to have like Sesame street and stuff. And of course I wanted to listen like a virgin, but, but the, my grandmother lived next door and mm-hmm. she had cable. She also had Alzheimer's, which isn't funny but she kind of didn't always know exactly what was going on and forced me to follow the rules and so I was able to sneak in some Madonna at my grandmother's house (laughs) right around the age of five so I don't know if you remember this but on Nickelodeon they had a show called Nick Rocks it was very very early on in like Nickelodeon yeah and they showed I mean they didn't they didn't show like a virgin or anything like that but I remember watching Lucky Star I remember Dress You Up like and I listened to her music on the radio so I also knew about Desperately Seeking Susan like probably not when it came out in the theater because I was really young then but around the time that I was like six or seven or eight I was trying to get my parents or friends parents to rent the movie for me because it was already out on VHS Mm -hmm. and nobody ever did you know it was one of those things (laughs) that I'd be like I'm gonna go spend the night with my friend we'd go to the video store and they would be like let's rent some kids movie and I'd be like or we could rent Desperately Seeking (laughs) Susan and of course these straight kids they didn't want to watch Desperately Seeking Susan or Right. and we never watched it. So I probably didn't see it until I was, I don't know, 12 or 13. But I was allowed to buy True Blue on cassette. So I did have that. That was in 1987. Yeah. And I was allowed to watch Who's That Girl with my older sister because that was a PG. Th- I actually think it was rated PG. So I was allowed to see that. And I watched it 8,000 times. <laughs> 
my parents may have thought that that would have kind of satiated my need. They kind of did that thing where they like held the thing back for like a long time. And if it just like wouldn't go away, they'd be like, all right, let him have it. And I'm sure it'll die down. It didn't die down. It made it worse. Mm -hmm. Every time I got a little bit of Madonna stuff, it just, it made me like want more. It was like a weird like drug for like a gay eight year old, you know? (laughs) Right. So here we are today. I've seen Madonna in concert five times. The past two I saw her in the front row. The only reason why I didn't see her in the front row is because no normal human being can afford front row tickets to a Madonna concert. It took until I was 40 to be able to afford it. Wow. Seen all of her movies. I own a shit ton of Madonna stuff. I tell stories kind of like we know each other and like, you know, that we've been around the block together. That being said, my favorite thing about Madonna is how she bounces back. Numerous scandals have threatened to kill her 40-year career, yet she always manages to come back from it. Which is great, because her film career has been tumultuous at best. Yet she persevered and managed to make a few terrific performances in some pretty great films. And while I'm a huge fan, I'm not going to pretend that some of these flops were good. Again, my favorite thing about her is how she doesn't dwell on the mishaps. She moves on. Yep. That's a good point. So a little history. Madonna Louise Chaconi was born in Bay City, Michigan in 1958. Her mother died of breast cancer when she was five, and it has had a and and still has a very significant impact on basically everything she's done in the past 60 odd years of her life. She played piano and dance ballet, and she was a cheerleader and a straight A student. She got a full scholarship at the University of Michigan, but dropped out because New York was calling her. And so she showed up in Manhattan with $35 in her pocket and found a job working at Dunkin' Donuts living in the East Village. She trained in modern dance with Martha Graham. She played drums and guitar in a band called The Breakfast Club. And she also, in 1979, starred in her first film. That film was A Certain Sacrifice. Technically, it's really not much of a movie. It's kind of like an experimental student-y type of art film. It's barely an hour. Yeah, It's mostly non-sync sound, and Madonna's name is spelled wrong in the credits. But she gives it her all, I'll say, reportedly earning only $100 and she had to beg for in order to pay her East Village rent since she was still trying to make a name for herself. So again, this is 1979. Rough plot, Madonna plays the part of Bruna, a Lower East Side resident who lives with three love slaves. She meets a guy in the water fountain in Washington Square Park and the two fall in love. Bruna later tells her lover she doesn't need them anymore, resulting in them attacking her sexually and is later raped in a coffee shop bathroom. To exact retribution, she enlists her love slaves and new boyfriend to abduct the rapist and lure him to a theater where a satanic sacrifice is performed. Hmm. They cover Bruna in his blood. It's kind of a woman in peril slash rape revenge movie. Okay. It's really hard to categorize this movie because it's not much of anything. We wouldn't have even been talking about this movie if it didn't star Madonna. It wasn't released until 1985 after she was famous. So this movie is not worth watching. Mm. Not worth watching. So in 1982, Madonna released her first solo single called Everybody. It didn't chart on the top 40, but got some traction on the club scene. She followed that up with Burning Up and Holiday, along with her first album, self-titled Madonna. Mm Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until Lucky Star that Madonna mania hit, mainly because of the video. You remember the video for Lucky Star? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was everywhere. It was just her simple white background, two dancers, and it was the style. It was the crop top, the crew 
crucifix, the cross earring, yeah. you know, the lingerie on the outside, the lace gloves and everything. It was just her dancing and, of course, kind of what became her trademark in the early 80s, rolling around on the ground seductively, yeah. which I still love that. Mm-hmm. This is right around the time that her second film, Vision Quest, was being shot in Washington State. And she's only in one scene. She sings two songs, Gambler and Crazy for You, in a nightclub. But considering the film didn't get much traction for anything else, this was a major selling point. Yeah, Madonna wasn't a star when she made the film, just a singer with a couple of minor dance songs under her belt. But by the time Vision Quest came out in 1985, America and most of Europe and Australia was Madonna obsessed since Like a Virgin came out just a few months earlier earlier and became her first number one album and number one single right crazy for you from vision quest became her second number one hit and the film is even titled crazy for you in europe and australia to capitalize on her appearance in the film right And then Desperately Seeking Susan came out. Mm -hmm. So first things first, if you haven't seen Desperately Seeking Susan, it is a great film. It was a huge commercial and financial success, but it does kind of get billed as the Madonna movie. And I say that in quotes because it really helped propel the movie, but also kind of makes it seem like a vehicle for Madonna, which it's not really. like It's a great movie on its own, and it probably would have been pretty great even with its original cast of these are all the people that were going to be in it before. Diane Key. Eaton and Goldie Hawn were the huh. original couple. Melanie Griffith, Ellen Barkin, Jennifer Jason Lee, and even Suzanne Vega were all going to play huh. one of the two lead parts there. So ultimately, director Susan Seidelman, who was a young East Village kind of like outcast indie director, wanted the film to have a young bohemian grit to it that more established actresses didn't really have. Right. She knew Madonna and fought the studio to take a chance on her and Rosanna Arquette as well, and it really paid off for the movie. Rough plot. Let me first start with the fact that this is an amnesia movie. I'm going to do an amnesia <laughs> episode one of these days, but it's, I, I had to point that out to, to begin with. So Rosanna Arquette plays Roberta, a well-to-do New Jersey housewife that's bored with her life and her cheating husband. She lives vicariously through the personal ads of the village voice, boy, that's dated, which a woman named Susan and her boyfriend used to meet up in between their other trysts, professional and personal. So basically what they do is they they put an ad in the village voice when they're in town and right. then the other one sees it. They put an ad in the village voice and then they meet up, you know? Okay. So Susan is also wrapped up in a mob misunderstanding. Then Roberta goes to the meeting place just to get a glimpse of Susan and her boyfriend. Cause she's kind of like low key stalking him a little bit, but she gets knocked out and gets amnesia and thinks that she's Susan. And so does everybody else. Yeah. So now the mob is after Roberta and Susan is after Roberta trying to get her identity back. It's a movie about a lot of misconnections and misunderstandings. And, and I guess technically it's a comedy, but there's kind of like no real sight gags or physical comedy. You know, it's kind of just like, it's just one of those like 80s got a couple one liners in it, but it's just kind of like one of those fun 80s kind of adult comedies that could only really exist at that time. It's also very much a character study of two very different women that both get the opportunity to step into each other's shoes, yet they still forge their way through their 
their own paths, whether the men in their lives support them or not. It really is kind of like a buddy movie. But when you look at other buddy female movies at the time, something like Outrageous Fortune or something like that, there's a lot of like, women are stupid gags, you know, (laughs) look how different these women are. And look how stupid they're acting when they do it. And they all got their periods, you know, (laughs) it's, uh, it's very different than that. It's a very kind of mature take on on two very different women. So, you know, I thought that that was that was really interesting. If it had been directed by a man, I think it would have been very different. I agree. Desperately Seeking Susan was released in 1985, just as Like a Virgin was starting to calm down a little bit. But the title track was Into the Groove, which was a mega hit. Oh, yeah. So big that Rolling Stone called it the dance track of the decade at the end of the 80s. And all of a sudden, Madonna was a lead actress as well as a number one singer-songwriter. And this is the absolute height of her 80s career. She could do nothing wrong. Yeah. And then came Sean Penn. (laughs) So I'm not going to spend a lot of time gossiping about Madonna and Sean Penn. But let me just say this. When Sean and Madonna got married, it was the biggest deal of all time ever. I actually remember how big of a deal it was specifically because the paparazzi in America wasn't really a huge deal at that time until this marriage was announced. And of course, Sean Penn made the paparazzi news because he kept punching them all. Right. Yep. Breaking their shit. In fact, he went to jail for all of this. He actually shot a gun at helicopters during their actual wedding. Andy Warhol called Madonna and Sean's wedding spectacle the most exciting weekend of my life. (laughs) And Sean's violent bad boy streak and Madonna's increasingly more sexual side after her nude photos leaked drove the press insane. So it wasn't long before the studios decided to capitalize on this and put them in a film together. What could go wrong? (laughs) (laughs) That movie was... Shanghai Surprise. So, first off, everyone knows this movie. This movie was a huge, giant bomb. I had actually never seen it until maybe a year ago. And I have to admit, I I had no idea what it actually was. Oh, you didn't? So, in 1984, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom came out, followed by Jewel of the Nile. Shanghai Surprise was basically supposed to be that type of international adventure slash odd couple romance comedy. Madonna plays a None, obviously a little miscast there. Sean mm-hmm. Sean Penn plays a hustler. He wasn't horribly miscast for because he's a you know kind of a swarmy asshole anyway. But right. the film is full of like old timey like nineteen thirty seven style gags and jokes. Like it's supposed to be a comedy. But it's got all of these Busby Berkeley type of like wacky stunts of which, you know, I mean, if you look at something like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, like that is a period piece. Like that doesn't happen in the 80s. Right, you know? right, right. Yeah. But they're not like, whoa, I just slipped on my own necktie and fell down. Like, <laughs> who know, directed that? Yeah. I don't know. Some guy. But <laughs> Some the, fucking the dude. main, uh, here's who I blame. So George Harrison was the one that produced it. Oh, really? He like started his own film. I'm gonna probably going to get this wrong, but he started his own film company okay and he was like i'm gonna start producing movies and along with the movies i'm going to do all the music for them too so shanghai surprise has no madonna music in it no madonna songs in it all the music and lyrics are done by george harrison how's the soundtrack terrible it's (laughs) god awful 
Here's another thing that happened as well, though. This was really the beginning of the trades, kind of blaming Madonna solely for her film flops. Shanghai Surprise was nominated for multiple Razzies, including Worst Picture and Worst Actor for Sean Penn, but Madonna was the only recipient of a Razzie for Shanghai Surprise. Now, I will say that Worst Director, Film, and Actor all went to Prince for Under the Cherry Moon, so <laughs> it wasn't like they were just treating a musician, you know, poorly. Right, right. He obviously fair. got the grunt of all of that. But Madonna can consistently is blamed for bad films that she had not a lot to do with other than being in the film where everyone else kind of walks away unscathed. And that's pretty much what happened in this next film, Who's That Girl, from 1987. start by saying I like Who's That Girl. It's stupid and it's fun. It's got a great soundtrack. But I think we can both agree that Madonna did earn this Razzie. She did. We watched this together not too long ago. Let's talk about it. Since I haven't seen Shanghai Surprise, I can't compare the direction or the hijinks. But Madonna does play partially a Betty Boop-esque character. But like if Betty Boop was sort of a criminal too, Mm -hmm. that would would rob you. Mm -hmm. That's that. And then she topped it off with what I can only guess were mannerisms from Pee Wee Herman. Her yeah. laugh was Pee Wee Herman-esque and there was just these Pee Wee Hermanisms on top of her Betty Boop I'm gonna rob you persona but I'm a pixie dream girl. I don't know what the fuck it was thing. It was whatever she decided as her method acting for this was it was incorrect yeah. for, the, for the role. Uh, knock, knock. Mm. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. Who's there? Boo. Boo who? <laughs> don't cry, we'll take the apartment. <laughs> It's an it's annoying. Yeah. And it's not it's not cute annoying. It's, it's not an, cute. It's straight annoying. It's annoying. I like the plot of it, kind of. I rough, forgot what the plot yeah, was. What was it? I don't know if I remember either. I've seen it a million times. Rough plot. Madonna goes to jail because she got framed by the mob for killing her boyfriend. Okay. She only serves like a year in jail, which you serve more than that for killing your boyfriend. She's not a good lawyer or maybe. anything. Huh. Somebody goes, sends send some dorky guy to go pick her up and get her back to her hometown in Philly so that she can, I don't know, get back to her family or something. Yeah, but sure. she's already come up with this way of exposing the fact that the mob killed her boyfriend and right. she's going to prove herself innocent. Yeah. And so she kind of has this like wild, wacky way. She drives all over the place and dr- right. driving like a mad person. And there's a tiger gets out and she's oh, got a God. tiger pet. And yeah, yeah. Something funny happened at the wedding. I forgot what happened. I don't know. The bride fell in the pool or something. Found but anyway, it's a wedding. Jackie Madonna being like, ha ha, I'm Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, so know? fucking annoying. Yeah. So does she look at the dailies every day and go, I fucking nailed that. I got this character down. Like, I mean, what did she think of that? And like, was that director like, oh my God, what did I do? What did I do hiring Madonna? I like, mean, I don't know. Like, it seemed like a kind of project that they like came up with together and they were like, yeah. this is really working. Put her in a comedy. She's going to be great. Everyone <laughs> loves Madonna in a comedy. But you said the funniest thing, which I never even thought about because we were talking about whose fault this was 
And you were like, someone told her that was funny. <laughs> like she did that at some point and someone was like, that's it. Like, yeah. that's what you should be doing right now. And Somebody she was like, reinforced oh, that. I'm yeah. funny. I'm funny now. I never knew I was funny. Right. Madonna backed off leading roles after Shanghai Surprise and Who's That Girl? A mm. little bit. So the next few movies she was in in more bit characters. She's yes. better at being an ensemble character. She really can add to a movie, whereas a, as a lead, she's struggles yeah she struggles yeah so her next few films she played supporting roles some hits some misses her sixth film was bloodhounds of broadway that was a third flop in a row this i don't consider her fault i actually watched bloodhounds of broadway it's a disaster of a movie but also when you read it on paper it sounds like a disaster of a movie i don't remember it Yes, so it's an ensemble piece. It's based on four short stories taking place in 1928, and they're all kind of smashed together. And then the director, who wasn't really anybody, died before it was released. And the studio tried to kind of pull the whole thing together with like a Walter Winchell narrator. So it's like the whole thing is like, let me tell you about something that I saw back in the day, back (laughs) on New Year's Day, and tries to stitch the whole thing together. Sounds terrible. And it just makes it really, really bad. It's also super boring. And it stars uh, Jennifer Grey as well. So Madonna and Jennifer Grey kind of play these like flappery, speakeasy type of girls or whatever. It did have one song in it of which they do the song together. It's not very memorable. You know, it wasn't very good. It wasn't an awful movie. It just wasn't a very good one. But the Razzies took the opportunity to nominate Madonna for her third Razzie, but she lost to Brooke Shields. So that was kind of the (laughs) thing. It was like, this movie, nobody saw this movie. It wasn't the worst movie in the world. She got some decent, you know, her performance was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. But they were just like, oh, Madonna, here's another chance. Third one in a row. Let's go ahead and nominate her. And that's kind of... What happened? It is also what the Razzies do. They pick Bo Derek. They pick Brooke Shields. They right. pick the people that are in the headlines that yeah. do something and they rub it in their face. You can't criticize them, but so much. They got their stick, but that didn't deserve it. But something else happened in 1989. Madonna divorced Sean Penn and released the album Like a Prayer. As I'm sure you'll remember, you couldn't leave your house without hearing about it. It was a huge critical and financial success, let alone that Like a Prayer is probably Madonna's best song ever. She signed a deal with Pepsi, but it was so controversial with a video (laughs) with her kissing a black Jesus and dancing in a slip in front of burning crosses. I remember this. It's funny to write it down, though, Mm -hmm. and just be like, this woman was insane, like, to think she could get away with this. But the video was huge. She followed it up with the Metropolis-themed video for Express Yourself, which was directed by young David Fincher, and Cherish, directed by Herb Ritz. There's a duet with Prince on the album. Like, she pulled out every single stop for this album. Album. Yeah, and it's album. it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden Warren Beatty showed up with Dick Tracy and Madonna had another hit. Yeah. Dick Tracy is a really interesting story. The idea went around Hollywood for years and years and years before Warren Beatty optioned the rights to the film with his own money. He got Disney on board and then basically called every one of his friends to make it a star-studded affair. So in case you forgot, besides Warren Beatty, Madonna, and Al Pacino, Dick Tracy has Kathy Bates, Dick Van Dyke, Dustin Hoffman, Mandy Patinkin, Catherine O'Hara, and James Caan. I forgot they were all in I that. know. It was so many people. It went way over budget, as was 
was known to happen with a Warren Beatty-directed picture, and it did well at the box office, but it didn't do better than Batman, which was kind of like Disney's hope. Yeah. It was pretty well set up for a sequel, and there was a lot of franchising merchandise, but then they had all types of legal issues with who owned the rights, and nothing really came out after it. Yeah. But Dick Tracy was a really big deal in 1990, and it was nominated for seven Academy Award nominations, winning in three categories. It was all, you know, makeup, art direction, and, and best original song, which is sooner or later performed by Madonna in the movie and then live at the Oscars. And she also, with that performance, she did kind of a very iconic, like Marilyn Monroe type of like vaudeville show. It was a real showstopper considering the the pretty boring adult contemporary performances the Oscars were used to of best song. It's always the lamest part of the Oscars. Yeah. Oh, also she showed up with her date, Michael Jackson, which caused a little bit of attention too. If you've ever seen the pictures of her and Michael Jackson, that's where that came from. She brought her, he was her date, which was amazing. And all of this was a huge success for Madonna. She even used her provocative blonde ambition tour as a way of promoting Dick Tracy. Oh, and then of course the lead single from I'm Breathless was Vogue, her eighth number one hit. So another really, really big point in Madonna's career. I'll skip through kind of Shadows and Fog. It was the next film she did after this. This is a Woody Allen film. Yeah. It was another just kind of dead on arrival. It wasn't considered to be a great nor a bad movie. Woody Allen sometimes, especially back in this time, made very non-commercial films. Right. And, and this was one of them. It was kind of a German expressionism inspired film about a fumbling bureaucrat. Guess who played the fumbling bureaucrat? Woody Allen. Of course. Uh, but here's the other people that were in it. Kathy Bates, John Cusack, Mia Farrow, Jodie Foster, Fred Gwynn, Julie Kavner, John Malkovich. Donald Pleasance, Lily Tomlin, and Madonna. Yeah. And then the following year, another huge surprise box office hit, A League of Their Own in 1992. Oh, nice. Yeah. A League of Their Own was an idea that Penny Marshall had after watching a documentary about an all-American girls professional baseball league in the mid-40s, which replaced men players with female players since the men were fighting in the war. It's a little sappy of a movie. I I do remember that. But it's overall pretty great. It's got an all-star cast of Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, Lori Petty, Rosie O'Donnell and John Lovitz and of course it features one of the best movie quotes of all time are you crying are you crying (laughs) there's no crying there's no crying in baseball! So Madonna plays All the Way May, a loose-talking, smoking New Jersey dancer-turned-baseball player during the war. She actually has a pretty good amount of one-liners in this as well, and had another number one hit with the theme song, This Used to Be My Playground. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's kind of a throwaway Madonna song, but another number one hit from a movie. So, you remember League of Their Own? Yeah, no, it's a good movie. It's yeah. an enjoyable movie. It's a fun one. Yeah, and she had fun in it, but she also didn't have to carry it. No, exactly. She's better when she doesn't have to carry it, when she can kind of chew the scenery a little bit yeah Yeah. all right here we are body of evidence (laughs) (laughs) all right so a little bit of background and then you and i are just going to talk about it because we did watch this together uh, in pandemic over zoom so Madonna was really pushing this the sexual envelope after a league of their own. And this used to be my playground. Like it kind of did two things for her. It put her into like the more like adult contemporary kind of world because yeah. that was a pretty it was a number one adult contemporary hit too. I, I don't think she liked that. I don't think she liked the fact that all of a sudden she had turned into, 
you know, this like women's baseball kind of PG, this used to be my playground, Penny Marshall, Tom Hanks person. So on the tail end of this, she put out Justify My Love. She did the video of it, which got banned on MTV Mm -hmm. and then showed on Nightline. She put it out also as a VHS single because it wasn't allowed to be on TV. So I think she sold it for, I don't know, $9.99. It's a four minute video that you could buy at Spencer's and and Sam's. Of course I had this. Of course (laughs) I had this. I saw this video and it sold a fortune's worth of, you know, of VHS singles or whatever. And so I think she looked at this as kind of like this sexual provocative thing. Like I need to push this further. It's going to make me money. You know, it's going to be big. So she pivoted after a league of their own from the, you know, kind of adult contemporary world. And the next thing that she did was she made a book, which of course was the Stephen Mizell photograph book, Sex. Mm -hmm. Uh, She put out another album called Erotica. Both of these featured bondage, gay sex themes, and, you know, the radical at the time idea that women could enjoy sex just as much men. And those were the one, two. And then the third punch was Body of Evidence, (laughs) sexual thriller a la Basic Instinct that is probably the lowest point in her career in general. I mean, it's pretty bad. The lowest point. Yeah. So very rough plot. And then we're going to discuss it. Madonna seems to be dating and having sex with older men with heart conditions, getting them to put her in their will and then fucking them to death so that she (laughs) will get all their money. Willem Dafoe is her lawyer and they get involved and then it turns into a boring courtroom drama with some SNME type sex scenes in between. She's not convicted, but she gets killed at the end by two guys that she's also involved with that helped her win the case. Go ahead. Oh man, where do I begin? Well, first of all, before we start uh, discussing this fine film, you mentioned that she was pushing the sex stuff because of the book and the album and the single and then everything. But also I think she was looking at Basic Instinct that just came out a year before and said, wow, this is a successful movie. I mean, it, it was hugely popular, but that showed an overtly sexual, bisexual woman, sociopath, but whatever. But it, it was a popular movie that had that kind of character. And I think she wanted to be that character in that movie as well. Basic Instinct was filmed at the same time as Body of Evidence. It only came out like a couple of months before, which is whole- baffling. It's baffling because I thought that came out in '92. No, so remember we di- I did the research on this. It did come out in '92, but it came out in like November of '92, and Body of Evidence came out in like February of '93. Oh wow! Like, I didn't realize they're so filming around the same time. But you, I mean, you have to be right. There is no other way to slice this thing. These right. movies are nearly identical, like right. except that Basic Instinct is a fine film, <laughs> and Body of Evidence is terrible, and it's, it's also really, boring. Really bad. It's it is boring. Very boring. Yeah. That was the thing that surprised me when we watched it again. I knew it was a lot of sex and campy and ridiculous, not meaning it's to be not campy. campy. It's not sh- meaning I to wish be, it was campy. But I misremembered it. But the one thing I misremembered it as was that it was fast paced or not fucking boring. This movie oh, was a slog. God, it's long. Game of Death is <laughs> moves along with a fine clip compared to Body of Evidence. It's really boring. And here's the thing, like that I was a little bit outraged by. Like it turns into a court room drama they are basically like grilling madonna and like other people on like 
what is her sexual preference and like what is her sexual talk about the details about the ways that sex was involved in this and was the sex kinky and like the (laughs) kinkiness of sex and like all this stuff and you're like this doesn't have anything to do with the case this is nothing this is not evidence no like madonna having sex with someone and the and like (laughs) describe it more it's like the judge should have been outraged by all of this i mean they're putting her on trial for liking sex she is a beautiful woman but when this trial is over you will see her no differently than a gun or a knife or any other instrument used as a weapon she is a killer the women hate me they think i'm a whore men don't marry women like her and the men see a cold heartless bitch they can pay back for every chick that's ever blown them off in a bar sex was a game to her there was two endings, one of where I think she gets away, a la Sharon Stone, right. and then the other one in where basically she has to pay for her crimes of enjoying sex. And of course, that's the one that, re- you know, that's the one that went. Yeah. And she was pissed off about it. She didn't like the movie either, like no, when it came I mean, out, even though I think she was very much trying to make it good. No, I have no doubt. Oh, God, it just it's wasn't. Just... And the sex wasn't good mm-hmm. either. You saw a lot of naked Madonna, mm-hmm. but I mean, even the little SM parts the wax on the nipple this was like showgirls level bad sex yeah. you know but what I mean? like even showgirls had some like moments of where you were like oh they're trying to make this a little campy and like fun you right. know like that body of evidence doesn't have that that thing no. is sad. the movie is sad it's, it's a, a sad film slog of a film a lame courtroom drama yeah even when they're asking about her sex or whatever it, it was hor- just horrible it it's was awful really bad and boring and lame and i'd forgotten how boring and lame it was thanks for reminding me you're welcome me watch you're welcome fucking- Again. Glad you got to watch that one. So, did she get the Razzie for this? Oh God, of course she did. Yeah, did Willem and Dafoe get one too? Because he deserved it for that I don't as well. Think he got it for this again. That's the thing. It's like the men in these movies never get that. See, that's bullshit. But it's also bullshit when you have a good actor. And I'm sorry, Willem Dafoe is a great actor yeah, sure. and done great performances, and he sucked in this. So he sh- he should get the Razzie more than Madonna. He was every bit as willing of a participant as she was. Like, yeah. and she took all the blame for this movie. Yeah. All all of it. Bummer. Yeah. yeah, it sucks. Yeah. So Body of Evidence was just the first of a series of flops, Razzies, and critically panned performances. The media came after her, obviously, for yep. not just Body of Evidence, but for sex and erotica. I mean, the truth is the the world wasn't ready for all of this, although it certainly left quite an impression as seen in many singers and actresses' careers after they transitioned from kind of the girl next door to sexual awakenings, as seen in Janet Jackson's Velvet Rope, right. Miley Cyrus bangers, Ariana Grande's positions. Like, this really was kind of, I mean, not that Madonna was ever a Disney pop princess or anything like that, but right. I mean, she really did take a very serious career turn. I mean, can you imagine if Ariana Grande came out with a sex book right now where she was completely nude in like bondage? Like, she would never do that. It's right. too far. Yeah, yeah. But these other actresses and singers, you know, they really do use this as like, okay, not that far. But I am going to put out something that's much more sexual, you know, and a lot of women, especially the Disney princesses, you know, have done that. Right. Madonna at this point in her career probably wasn't offered anything but so good. And so the next few movies are not really her best look. I was starting with Dangerous Game from 1993. This movie actually kind of sounds like a good idea on paper because here's the rough plot. It's a film within a film. Harvey Keitel plays a film director directing Madonna and James Russo in a Hollywood marital crisis drama called Mother of Mirrors, which is about a formerly wealthy but unemployed husband. 
husband who berates his newly religious wife about what he considers her hypocritical aversion to their, you know, sex and drug lifestyle. So Mm. obviously Madonna plays the newly Christian wife. But during the shooting of that film, his character, Harvey Keitel, he starts to kind of become more and more unhinged. She's screaming in her face all the time, yelling at her, smacking her around or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, there was a little bit of an aspect of that time that was kind of like, you know, he was being like, you're such a bad actress. And so like, that's where the on paper part sounded kind of good. I didn't like this movie. I did see it when it came out because it really, is that it's Abel Ferrara and you know he's that bad lieutenant style thing that he does which yeah. is basically like men berating women and screaming and toxic masculinity and stuff like bad lieutenant's a good movie you don't need to see that movie remade 17 times and that's kind of right. what this ended up being so don't give her a lot of lines and she was good in it she did what she was supposed to do in the movie you yeah. know so it was also another movie and a lot of these Madonna movies it's not like oh they go into the theaters and you know they open worldwide and make 20 30 million dollars it's like they hit and they're a bomb they're dead on arrival yeah they're like the media dismisses them they make no money nobody shows up to see them but not a very fun watch there for a dangerous game no and i saw parts of it but and i think the only scene i saw was harvey Keitel berating madonna it seems like it should work but when something is like super like mean-spirited you're like no one's having fun doing this you know <laughs> no it's fun to make fun of madonna for being a bad actress which is essentially what he was doing within this movie in a movie format but right. like when you're watching her like crying and being like i'm sorry i'm sorry like oh that's not fun it must have been very hard for you like, yeah that was a tough one all right i'm gonna speed through the next three because madonna only had small roles in them the first one being blue in the face also starring harvey Keitel. madonna had a cameo as a singing telegram girl you can watch the scene on youtube it's two minutes long you know yeah yeah, yeah. she was in four rooms yep. your favorite movie the missing ingredient mm-hmm. segment as a lesbian witch that needed to gather semen for her spell this is directed by allison anders of gas food lodging but pretty much thought to be the worst of the four rooms it's pretty bad yeah thoughts on that it just that is the worst of the she showed up one day in a you know a tight outfit and they were yeah. like thanks for coming they get better as they go yeah and the tarantino one is obviously the best one at the end yeah and i agree after four rooms she was in spike lee's girl six as the owner of a phone sex company i had never seen this you can't find it streaming online at all so i tried to buy the dvd and it just like never showed up like i got a refund because this movie just does not exist anymore <laughs> apparently like, the dvd doesn't exist like nobody has this movie anyway it was a small role. You can actually watch it on YouTube. Uh, I thought she was fine in it. She just describes a lot of sex acts, which is, you know, pretty funny and probably somewhat shocking for 1996, but also probably one of those things where you're like, oh, Madonna's talking about sex again. That's funny. They just said, this movie doesn't exist anymore. Here's your $3 back. Right. Bye. <laughs> And then Madonna pulled off another hit, her last actually, which was Evita from 1996. So (laughs) similar to Dick Tracy, this film had been shopped around Hollywood for about 20 years before Madonna and Alan Parker actually made it. Other directors and actresses included Ken Russell, Francis Ford Coppola, Oliver Stone, Richard Attenborough. So those were the directors that they were talking about. Meryl Streep, Glenn Close, Michelle Pfeiffer, and even Liza Minnelli were, were at some point connected to this 
project because you know it came out in 78 so yeah uh, the musical did anyway but madonna had wanted the role since the 80s she allegedly had been campaigning it for as far back as 1986 mm-hmm. when she finally heard that it was going to happen she wrote a long letter to alan parker basically saying that the role of quote the most loved and hated woman in argentina was something that she could easily identify with she took vocal lessons to improve her voice so she could hit the higher note she researched she met people that knew ava perone she knew this was the biggest role she would ever play and she wasn't gonna fuck it up right yes now she went for it yeah she got great reviews she won the golden globe for best actress and when she got snubbed for an oscar nomination she still showed up to perform what ultimately won best original song unlike someone else that year who didn't get nominated and didn't show up to perform her song (coughs) barbara streisand (laughs) Evita is probably not going to be remembered as the best musical ever made or even the best performance ever made. But for Madonna, this was probably her highest achievement maybe ever. She would probably say at this point that that was the pinnacle of her career. I don't necessarily agree with that. I thought Evita was a competent film. (laughs) It's a fine film. I do remember seeing it and being like, that was good. That is not the best movie I've ever seen so in my entire let me life. You were there. Retcon this, and I will say that first of all, there was huge buildup with Slate about this movie, mm-hmm. and I knew everything she had prepped to do for this movie before it came out. You had the soundtrack, yep. and when it came out, you fucking loved it and thought it was amazing. Yeah, it's, was... it's only been twenty something years later that you have a realistic view of what this movie is. Sure, but when it came out, we, I obviously saw it you're five over times in the theater. Right. You I took carloads, busloads of people to go see. But the fact that it wasn't a disaster made you very, very happy. Yeah, I think that's a better way of putting it. I was happy that it wasn't a disaster. I mean, I enjoyed the film. There's no way around it. I enjoyed the film. I had the poster, the soundtrack, everything. I haven't watched it in a really long time. I feel like you should. For good reason. (laughs) (laughs) I'm afraid it sucks. You know, I mean, the reviews of it were fine. It's probably like a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Just barely fresh, you know? It didn't reinvigorate the musical industry at all. You know what I mean? mean it was an expensive movie to make won some oscars it won some awards you know and stuff like that it made some money but it it wasn't like moulin rouge that completely reinvented the musical genre yeah yeah right everything after evita is not so great Mm -hmm. Uh, so that was pretty much the end of the line there musically madonna had caught a second wind in the late 90s with her seventh studio album ray of light which won best pop album of the year at the grammys widely considered to be if not her best one of her top two of all time she followed that up with music two years later and that gave her her last number one hit and a record-breaking tour which of course i saw however she also decided to remake the don mclean hit american pie and star in the film the next best thing starring rupert everett and boy was it not good oh my god yeah i saw this in the theater when it came out i think i saw it on opening night it's terrible madonna is a yoga instructor and gay rupert everett is a i wrote he's a doctor but i don't think that's right now that i'm thinking about i didn't know (laughs) research on this movie i basically just wrote it from memory which i saw it in 2000 i guess it looks like a funny comedy about what happens when a gay guy and his best friend like get pregnant you know accidentally have sex when they're drunk and get pregnant and then decide to raise the wacky kid together like that's what it looks like it's got some funny one-liners this movie looks like a bowl full of monkeys you know (laughs) and it sucks like 
it turns into like this whole, so Madonna meets some other guy and he's like, I love you. And now he wants to take her away and take the kid. And Rupert Everett's like, no, this is my kid too. We're supposed to be raising it. And then it goes into a courtroom drama. I don't know why Madonna (laughs) keeps going to these courtroom dramas. Both of them turn into these hateful people that are basically going through this like Kramer versus Kramer, like gay Madonna, like divorce. Oh, terrible. Like who gets the kid? And it was supposed to be this like celebration of like different types of families. But like the whole second act of the film is like they hate each other. They're fighting. They're talking shit about each other and lying about each other in court. I forget what happens at the end. I don't know. But anyway, it was not fun. (laughs) It's really bad. (laughs) I've forgotten all about that movie. I managed to shut that out and I forgot all about it. Characters are so unlikable. Here's the one thing that I did look up. So I was like, who is the director? So the director of this movie was Joel Schlesinger, who won an Oscar for Midnight Cowboy. So he directed Midnight Cowboy and The Next Best Thing. Wow. That's not great news. No. I'm pretty sure that it was his last movie. I'm not going to say it killed him, but I'll let you do the math. (laughs) All right. Madonna had another small role in the James Bond film, Die Another Day from 2002, which she also did the theme song to and won Best Supporting Actress for this, which I think is kind of bullshit. She's in the movie for like three minutes. Yeah. She's fine. The Razzies pretty much nominated her for everything after a certain point. And the last Madonna film that she appeared in was Swept Away from 2002. This is considered to be one of the worst films of all time. Yeah. Those Shanghai Surprise and Swept Away are considered not just the worst Madonna films of all time, but the worst films ever made. Yeah, they're really bad. Yeah. It's basically about a rich bitch socialite on a swanky cruise that abuses the deckhand. And actually, the deckhand was played by the original deckhand's son. So in the in the remake of the movie. So that was right. like kind of interesting. Until they get shipwrecked on a desert island. So they, of course, fall in love. And then the roles reverse because now all of a sudden he's powerful you know in a desert island situation of where he can build a fire and find shelter and make food and stuff Hmm. where she was powerful on the on the yacht because of course he was the hired hand but then they get off of the island and you think that she's gonna leave her rich husband for she's finally found true love and this like you know this guy or whatever and she doesn't she goes with the rich husband all right both of these characters are so unlikable she's unlikable in the first half of the movie because she's being a huge bitch to this guy. Right. He's kind of likable at that point, but then when they get on the island, like, he's not just like, oh, I guess it's time for it. He's like, look, bitch, I'm in charge now. He smacks her around. <laughs> he's like the Harvey Keitel in, uh, in Dangerous Game, and, you know, he's like beating her up or whatever, and it's like, no one in this movie is likable. And then, of course, it comes out. It's a huge bomb. Nobody sees it. I mean, obviously, everybody knows Guy Ritchie directed this, but she's on screen the entire movie, so I mean, she right. really took most of the blame for this movie and i felt like it was a little bit undeserved like he fucking wrote this movie he directed this movie he should at least get 50 percent of uh, of the blame for this one too but anyway another another uh worst actress razzie there <laughs> either way it seems like this was as much as she could handle and now she spends most of her time behind the camera instead she directed the short i am because we are and the feature length film we which got pretty bad reviews but she did win the golden globe for best original song so that was something yeah you know, off of that movie she's actually working on a movie right now with diablo cody about her 
her early life in the East Village. They say that she plans on directing it, so we'll see how that goes. Cool. In my opinion, none of the films that we talked about today, these 18 films, were her opus, although obviously Desperately Seeking Susan and Evita were certainly in the running. One of the reasons, in my opinion, why Madonna was really good in movies that somehow resembled the person she actually was is that Madonna is really only good at being Madonna. Right. There's never really been anyone like her. And every time someone is labeled the next Madonna, they, at least up to now, haven't really measured up. So Brittany, Christina, Miley, Ariana. I think Lady Gaga is probably the only one that is probably capable of doing it, but she hadn't been around enough. We won't know for another 10 years whether Lady Gaga can really, you know, kind of step up to, to where Madonna is. She's really one of a kind. And so when she has to try to act like someone else and let the Madonna disappear, she's not very good at it, you know? Which is why I maintain that Truth or Dare from 1991 is the best acted Madonna film. Mm -hmm. And while it is technically a documentary and not an acted film, you can't help but notice she is clearly playing the part of reality superstar Madonna. Right. Truth or Dare is kind of a half concert film shot in color and half backstage behind the scenes cinema verite in black and white. It covers the end of Madonna's Blonde Ambition Tour, which is obviously right off the back of Vogue and Dick Tracy, and features her relationships between Warren Beatty, her backup singers and male dancers, all of one of them who are gay. Antonia Banderas and Pedro Almodovar are in it, Sandra Bernhardt, and even Kevin Costner shows up, and he calls the show neat. Remember mm-hmm. when this happened? It was a really big deal. Yeah. The second he turns his back, she sticks her finger in her mouth and starts to gag. Like, Kevin Costner was, like, one of, like, the biggest stars or whatever and she was like to him i love it she lays on her mother's coffin and speaks to her she almost gets arrested in canada for simulating masturbation while she's performing like a virgin she deep throats a water bottle on a dare she cusses and scratches herself and cries and gets sick and cancels shows it's literally everything and unlike many documentaries of huge stars where they kind of tried to hide their warts and all personas you know you watch a documentary and you're like i didn't learn anything about that person because their guard was like so so up so that we wouldn't learn anything interesting about that person like this is not that movie like she leans into it she's obviously staging some of this you know that she's performing in front of the camera and she tries to up the shock value of the thing it's amazing like it's an amazing film it was a critical and commercial success so much that it I actually didn't know this it was the highest grossing documentary of all time until Bowling for Columbine 10 years later made made a for a documentary made a lot of money especially worldwide you know i'm not saying madonna is the best or worst actress in the world but if there's anything she can play to a t it's madonna no doubt yeah. no doubt so that's the episode i've been threatening to do this and forever you, you made good on that threat i knew that doing this episode that the audience for something like that was about three people and i probably one of them's me and i know the other two they're my friends so <laughs> you know it's an interesting episode and you know what i'm gonna turn this into like a thesis okay. for you i'm ready because if you look at these films as you were talking about them what i see is a pattern of movies that she was trying to be in that discussed power dynamics mm-hmm. desperately seeking susan was addressing the power of identity 
body of evidence, which is addressing sexual power. Mm -hmm. You got swept away, which is about class power. Mm -hmm. You've got Dangerous Game, where it's power on the sets between director and star. I think Avita's a good high watermark for that because it's political power. And and she, I think, could relate to Ava Perón because uh, she came basically from nothing and became the most powerful woman in Argentina for the time. So looking at it from a a thesis standpoint, this was Madonna's exploration through cinema on, on the aspects of power and the changing dynamics of power. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought I'd be, you know, talking about Shady Madonna films in this in-depth. Yeah, it's just funny. I mean, I think the only other person who really did kind of stick with it even after, you know, some not great hits. Whitney Houston did make a few films. You oh, know? she did. Yeah. She made a five or six films of where Rihanna made one, Mariah Carey's made two, you know, Mariah Carey's in Lee Daniels the Butler, so she's made three. Okay. Britney Spears made one film, you right. know. So did Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson, <laughs> one film, you yeah. know. A lot of these singers are like, let me try this thing. Or they get a bad review, which, you know, Britney Spears got terrible reviews for Crossroads and oh. never stepped foot on set again. Madonna just was like, let's see if number 16 is like the one that really hits. Because right. she did have enough hits, I think, to keep her going. Then she would hit these rough patches. But, you know, yeah. she's made some good mo- She's left some good movies in her wake. I can't name a single good Elvis movie. <laughs> can't name one i mean i can't either yeah i'm thankful for truth or dare because that really is proof of her stardom and on her on-camera stardom i think it's a lot easier to to be the star of your own music video of which she's made a lot of really great ones but in a movie of where she basically gets to show the world like her life she basically invented the reality genre and she was heavily criticized for it not just in the press but warren Beatty on on screen is like you know somebody says something like i can't believe you're doing this on camera and he's like she doesn't want to do anything if it's not on camera right. okay. do you want to talk at all off camera you have nothing <laughs> she doesn't want to live off camera much less that's talk that's <laughs> there's nothing to say off camera why would you say something if it's off camera they set up these scenes for her to be outrageous and that's what right, reality right, right. TV is now you know oh I know, I know. there's a camera situation following scene. her around right. she's hamming it up you know she's coming up with scenarios she's acting to the camera yeah totally that's I mean, her it's her best role <laughs> yeah and you know I mean the thing is he was right he summed her up at of that course. point in that movie with that one line he yeah. was correct she hated it she wanted it out and like <laughs> she probably didn't like it because for one second the camera was off her and on Warren Beatty making right. fun of her but I'm glad they left it in because you know this is what she wanted her whole life she got it yeah more or less for better or for worse worse. (laughs) all right right. well thanks everyone this is probably going to be the least listened to episode (laughs) in the history of slums of film history i didn't make it for you assholes i made it for me (laughs) somebody's going to listen to this this is so this is going to be somebody's favorite episode besides you probably Uh, the other one of the other two people you probably listener elizabeth is going to be the only one that comes out for this one she always backs me up on my madonna so leave a nice comment and a good review then Elizabeth thanks everyone thanks take care thanks for listening to Slums of Film History you can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can find the links to some of the movies we talked about today and also be sure to check us out on Facebook and Twitter where we share a lot of additional content and if you like the show or have any comments or suggestions please drop us an email at slumsoffilmhistory at gmail.com or write us a review on iTunes we'd love to hear from you and as always please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out we're not professionals just two friends that love gross movies
from what we could discern, she's very manic. She pulled out a very Betty Boop-esque persona yep. mixed in with sort of a... Um, was you also, said Pee Wee Herman. I, I was getting to that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, start over. So she stood... I was going to use that at the end. Sorry. 